Today on the Travel Guys. In the travel news, beware of the Delta-Google combination, and American Airlines may be giving those with butt problems an interesting oh, solution. Uh, wait, wait a minute. You did this on your phone. I think the word is, it's nut problems. Oh. Oh. Okay. American Airlines may be giving those with nut problems an interesting solution. Not much better. Go I ahead. can't wait to hear that one. Yeah, go on. <laughs> I think it's yours. I think you're next. Oh, uh, 320, we make you a smarter traveler with information on why it's important to do a little homework before you plan a trip. More importantly, what homework to actually do. As an extension of the Do Your Homework theme at 335, Chris Galloway joins us to talk about how to choose the right trip and why it's only not only important to you, but those around you in your travels. Now, we talked to our friend Jim Jacoby before his 20th trip to Burning Man. So at 3.50, let's check in with Jim and find out how the event went. We are here to solve all your nut and butt problems. It's Sunday afternoon, a little after 3 o'clock. Thank you for joining us. We are the Travel Guide. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Welcome, everyone. You've got us. We are the Travel Guys, Mark and Tom, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. And sorry, I hope we didn't offend anybody. I mean, this is There's what just happens. a little typo. I know. Mark uh, has just returned from, uh, from Green Bay mm-hmm. uh, with a uh, Sports Leisure trip, and we're going to talk about that. And uh, one of the things Mark did was he, he actually put together the headlines that we do at the top of the show on his phone which everybody that has phones know that sometimes you get autocorrect or grab the wrong key. And uh, and then so we had the, the nut butt issue. The, the, and, yeah. But the thing that I find fascinating is Mark was able to text for no charge at 40,000 feet. Yeah. With, with United. How does that work? You can. All you have to do is log on to their app, and, and onto the United uh, Wi-Fi app. And when you're in the sky, you can text at no charge. You can't make phone calls, of course, but you can text... At no charge, I recommend you not try to send pictures or something like that or uh, three paragraph, you know, live stories, but send mm-hmm. short messages because they go through a little bit better. Um, and yeah, you can you can text from the sky. Kind of neat. Very neat. good. Yeah, you can you can text the headlines for your radio show. With and a in a few minutes, we're going to tell people about all those nut and butt problems that we've. <laughs> How was Green Bay? About. What was the you know what, what was the trip? Let me tell. We we have a group that went to Michigan. And it, it, the tour is called Pure Michigan, and it, it, this year we flew and started in Green Bay, which of course is not in Michigan, it's in Wisconsin. Um, and then they go up to uh, what's called the Keweenaw Peninsula, which is in a town called Houghton. Um, and most people in California have never even heard of the Keweenaw Peninsula or Houghton or any place else like that. They're lucky if they can find the UP of Michigan on a map. Uh, but this is kind of the UP of the UP. It's it's the upper part of the upper peninsula of Michigan. A lot of copper came out of that area about 150 years ago. So there's a lot of history there and a lot of remnants of that time, you know, old buildings and things that were built when they had a lot of money. 
And uh, and it's a beautiful outdoors area that uh, the National Park Service has created a national park out of the historic areas. And uh, it's just really, just really great scenery. You know, if you go, I love finding places and taking people places that they've not only never been, but they've barely heard of. And because the, the bar is very low and you can, I mean, you know, yesterday before yesterday, we were stopping at beautiful waterfalls and the, the upper peninsula of Michigan is really quite a beautiful place. And they're going to get some spectacular fall colors there in a couple of weeks. Green Bay, um, where we started, what a wonderful town. And what a great time to be there late last week. Because if you know the football season, the NFL season mm-hmm. is starting. And tonight, the Green Bay game is the nationally televised game against the Bears. Mm-hmm. The Bears, of course, are their big rival. And being in that stadium, Lambeau Field, and being in that town this week was really exciting because it's like the summer tourism season's about to begin in a well-known destination. You know, it's the first week of June and everybody's cleaning everything up and sprucing everything up. Well, in Green Bay, they have a summer tourism season, but now they have a really big fall tourism season on eight Sundays. And uh, the... At Wrigley Field, you can sit across from Wrigley Field in houses that have put bleachers up on top. In Green Bay, the houses that surround the stadium, because it's kind of in a neighborhood, um, all have, they've turned them into party houses. So you can rent the party house across from the stadium, and I'm guessing some of the people never even go into the ballgame. Um, tickets, if you want Green Bay Packer tickets, um, if you get on the waiting list now, your grandchildren and your grandchildren's grandchildren will probably not get them. They clear about 40 people a year off, to, off of a list that's 133,000 people long. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but that town and that football team are, are molded as one. If you're a football fan and you've never been to Green Bay, you owe it to yourself to go there. But if you just like beautiful communities, 100,000 people, Clean, man, you couldn't find a scrap of paper or anything anywhere in the whole town. Good neighborhood or bad. I, I really, I was really impressed. Nice people, inexpensive place to travel. You get the, the higher up you get, the cheaper the prices get because, this, you know, the cost of living is not as high up there. Those folks don't have as much money. They can't afford to pay as much. You know, I, I, at New York steak dinner last night in Houghton, um, with a vegetable and a potato was seventeen bucks. Oh my goodness! Um, so it was. If, if you're looking for someplace, look at the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. If you're somebody who's never traveled in that part of the country, and if you like just wide open spaces and beautiful scenery and stuff, it's really and fly into Green Bay because it's a wonderful, wonderful town, and the people there are just really friendly. You can tell, I guess, that I really enjoyed it. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. My- uh, Mark is a little amped over Green Bay. Excellent, an excellent description. I was uh, I was following every word, and I, it makes me want to go. In fact, I, I'm see. I'll see. You. I'm leaving now. Tonight on the on, when the game comes on TV, I will sit there and I will look for the man who yeah. gave us the tour of the stadium because he showed us where his seats were, and they've been in his family since 1957. To give you an idea, wow. Um, so it was a chance to go to a football mecca. So we best get on with the program. What do you think? Here? Let's do it. We are the travel guys, and at the top of every Travel Guy show sooner or later. We bring you up to date on what's been going on in the travel news. Mark, what you got? All right, let's see here. Uh, Don't shed any tears for Delta Airlines. They broke record, numerous records this summer, according to data released by the airline. Uh, Between May 24th and September 3, what Delta considers the summer, they flew almost 60 million customers. That figure includes what was the airline's new record customer employment day, July the 26th when nearly 662,000 people 
got on a Delta airplane. How about that? That's a lot of people. That is. That's a lot of people. All right. Um, I've got some American Airlines stories for well, you. Wait Here's... a minute. What about the about the nut problems. Oh, the nut problems. Oh, okay. Well, we can we can talk about that. I've got that right here. Um, the nut problems. American Airlines has decided that uh, you know the, the airlines serve nuts on planes. Southwest serves peanuts. They'll pull those, but the other airlines are not want to pull their nuts off of the planes. Mm-hmm. So, or to tell people that they can't eat nuts. And I kind of question whether that would you know work or not. But what American Airlines is looking at doing is allowing people with severe nut allergies to pre-board. And to be able, because apparently if you can sanitize the area around you, why there's a much less chance. I don't have a nut allergy, so I'm not an expert on this. But apparently if you have a little bit of an opportunity to sanitize things, that can help some people. So American Airlines is looking at the possibility of allowing some people to pre-board. So can't you just see how this gets out of hand? Oh, yeah, I have a nut allergy. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll see. It's, it's, it's an interesting take on a problem that's been around um, for a while. But anyway, that's the nut butt thing there. Yeah, right. the nut allergies, yes. Um, American Airlines also, um, here's kind of interesting. Their uh, flight attendants were picketing outside of the Fort Worth headquarters uh, last week. And the only reason I say this is interesting is because uh, airline strikes are very bad things. And uh, so it's it's not good when we start seeing picketing. They have It's been five years since they merged with U.S. Air, and they still don't have... Their flight attendants, the U.S. Air and the American flight attendants on the same contract or the same work rules or et cetera, et cetera. So they've got uh, some problems there and a ways to go. Better American Airlines story. Uh, An American Airlines pilot did something that was uh, really pretty cool, I think, um, in terms of uh, he went and bought his 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 flight was delayed. Um, This is a flight in Texas, a small, a, a short flight, and it was delayed. It was going to be stuck overnight. And while they were figuring out what to do, the American Airlines pilot went and purchased 40 pizzas and had them delivered and served them to all of his passengers. So, you know, at the end of the day, um, there are lots of bad travel stories, but every once in a while, somebody does something that's really above and beyond, you know, the call of duty. And so certainly that was one. Listen, on our website, we've always got some really good stuff that we don't have time to talk about on the news. Um, There is a really good thing. If you're a person who suffers from pre-trip anxiety if you're a person who every time you're about to travel you just you have to go over all the things that go wrong you have to get to the airport an extra hour and a half or four hours early and you're all worried about all this stuff there is a wonderful article on our website uh from chris elliott uh don't panic here's how to handle your pre-trip anxiety and chris has some wonderful ideas some of them are probably some kind of easy like exercise and and measured breathing and stuff but some of them are a little bit different so if you're one of those folks who has anxiety before a trip i've been in the travel business for 40 years and i still have trouble sleeping before the night of the trip but anyway you can uh, you go to travelguysradio.com and see that along with some other cool stuff there on the list um united airlines last week increased their baggage charge from 25 to 30 bucks following JetBlue. i predicted that by monday or tuesday delta and american would follow united's lead but they didn't and so at least for a week, we have a couple of major carriers charging $30 a bag and a couple charging 25 Kind of interesting. A couple people have opined on the Internet that what an opportunity for American and Delta to come out and say, look, we don't have to nickel and dime our customers. We can do this for this amount of money and we don't need the five extra bucks and leave United and JetBlue out on a limb. I wouldn't bet on that happening, but I think it's kind of an interesting concept 
that, you know, these guys, they, of course, they never collude um, together on fairs oh, and no. things mm-hmm. like that. They've never can't, been can't caught that. too many times at that. Hey, listen, um, Google now apparently um, can track you uh, when you're traveling and stuff like that, even if you've got the location services turned off, if you have an Android phone. Um, and they can start sending, if you've noticed that the app, if you have an Android phone, if you've noticed that the advertisements when you log on online seem to bear amazing similarity to products that you've been buying and looking at, um, that's because this is happening on a greater level than it's already happening. Uh, at TravelGuysRadio.com, you can see six steps there to go into, if you have an Android phone, to get Google off of your track there. Um, only so, six steps. How about that? Only huh? six steps. And that is your travel news for today. <laughs> and we are the Travel Guys. Once again, follow along, get extra information, find out uh, how to handle that uh, pre-trip anxiety. All of that is at TravelGuysRadio.com. And keep it uh, right here coming up on our Smarter Traveler segment. Uh, we're going to tell you a little bit about how to do the right kind of homework to before you travel and you go on that trip, it's going to make you a smarter traveler. That's next. I'm on Well, you found us, Mark and Tom, uh, the Travel Guys, again brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. And uh, it's time for our Smarter Traveler segment, even though uh, I kind of feel that every one of our segments in some way kind of fits that. Mark, uh, you know, a lot of people avoid homework. But the kind that you're going to be talking about right now is one that uh, most people kind of enjoy, and it uh, because it has a great payoff. Well, it's when you're going when you're going to travel. Um, there are a couple of three ways you can do it. Some people like to do it all themselves and do all the homework and all the research and stuff. And whether and and, and depending on their level of travel experience, um, that may be a very effective way of of planning their trip. Uh, some people want someone else to do that. And I always say those people kind of divide into two categories, people who couldn't possibly figure it out on their own and people who have tried to figure it out on their own and had some issues with it. And so they've decided that I'm going to let somebody who's professional do this and and do it right, realizing that it may cost me a, a few dollars to do. Um, but in this day and age with the Internet, we have folks who who do it themselves and you've heard me talk in this program many times about the people that I see at the front desk of hotels, and invariably they've got a problem, and it's invariably it's because they didn't read the fine print. And the fine print, realistically, can be six or seven pages on every one of those reservations that you make, you know, and where it says you accept, if you click here, you accept the terms and conditions. How many people have you ever read the terms and conditions, Tom? No. No. And, I, and I'm in the travel business, and I never have either. I've confessed that on occasion I've clicked on them just to see that they were far too arduous to even consider reading at the time. So the reality is that we all enter into this having given up all of our rights, having not knowing what our rights might be if something goes wrong, and hoping that everything just works out perfectly. There you go. That's that's uh, what the position most everybody's in. And when they get out there and things don't go perfectly, then, you know, sometimes they lash out. At, and the people that they're lashing out at are usually people who had nothing to do with uh, their planning or what they came up with or the fact that they got, you know, they have a problem now at that point. So when you are, when you're, when you're getting ready to go on a trip, when you're planning and you're dreaming and you're just going online, um, take some notes. Uh Flag some websites, mark some websites that you, you know, just go for fun and, and just go on uh, and ask a couple questions of the Internet. 
and just say, uh, I'm going to, I'm making a trip to Europe, what do I need to know? And just see what comes up on the internet, because there is a plethora of information there, and in a matter of a few minutes, you might set, you might set a general topic into the internet and find a subtopic that really is much more interesting to you or much more pertinent to your trip than, so we have this tool out there, and of course, young people will go to the internet immediately. Older folks eh, will maybe go to one website and think they found what they want, and then go on from there. Remember our first rule of travel, and that is if you can book directly with the person that you're doing business with, if you can book with Delta Airlines, Hilton Hotels, uh, the, the attraction in San Francisco, or whatever it is, then you want to book directly with them if you possibly can. Because when something does go wrong, you have many more options. <clears throat> uh, I was supposed to mention something in the headlines here about Delta and Google getting together. On the Google website, they have kind of given the impression that you're buying premium seats, economy seats, because of the way Google has labeled it. So people buy that ticket and they find out that they didn't get the extra legroom or anything. What they got was the same old economy seat because of Google calling it something different. So if you didn't do your homework there, and you bought your Delta ticket from Google, why would you do that? Right. But you bought your Delta ticket from Google, and now it doesn't live up to your expectation, and shame on you, because you could have bought that ticket directly from Delta Airlines, where they're not pulling the shenanigans that, that Google is pulling on their website. So that's a, a, a little buried travel tip there. But if you've You've got to do your homework, and you've got to go to the right places. And the other thing is that consider, even if you're not having a travel agent or a travel counselor plan your trip and make all the bookings for you, you might consider asking, paying them for their advice, saying, I'm about to do this trip. I don't want you to put it together for me, but I'd like to know what it would cost me to get your expertise on this country or that country. And probably most travel agents for 50 or 100 bucks would be more than happy to lay out those things. Well, you know, in any situation when you're hiring a professional uh, to to maybe uh, an agent uh, to to book it for you or or whatever the situation, uh, if you have enough knowledge so that you can you can put a critical eye as to what kind of a job they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, you like you say if you if you go online and you kind of map out that trip on your own and you take a look at all the options and you write some of it down or bookmark some of those you you have you have the, the the basic sense of what needs to get done it may be more than what you're going to want to deal with but uh you know it's like back in the old days when well not so much i think the people still do this they want to go shopping for a diamond uh-huh so so uh the people that that sell diamonds they try to educate you or they tell you you should be educated a little bit about you know how to look at the the three C's or right. whatever it is. Uh, that way you have some sort of an educated guess, something going on in your head that can at least make you feel confident about the decisions that you're about to make uh, using someone else. So in in that respect, uh, to do a little bit of extra time, a little homework will uh, will give you some peace of mind. Now that airlines have this basic economy airfare, which is really a loss leader airfare that you really, unless you're a student or traveling on the cheap or you really are traveling with no baggage at all um, and you don't care where you sit or when you get on the plane, then you need to stay away from that. But what is happening now is that Many most websites are using that basic economy price as their lead price. So many people, my suspicion is that many people are are buying that ticket 
Well, it's $35 less than the other ticket. Of course, I'll take that. There doesn't seem to be any difference, except then the difference is you can't carry on that extra bag and you maybe have to check it at the gate or at the airport. You end up paying more money than you would have paid if you'd have just bought the right ticket. So it, it really behooves you when somebody gives you an itinerary or something like that is, is take a minute or two or a day and do your own research. If you've paid a travel counselor to do something, then go back yourself and put those uh, hotels and those attractions into the computer and see what comes up. Here's another wonderful thing. On some websites, you can click on the poor or terrible review. You know, it'll say there were 166 great reviews and 77 good and 22 average and nine bad and six terrible. And you can click on that terrible and find out what the six terribles were and how long ago they were and whether they all, you know, are they all about the staff? Are they all about the food in the dining room? Are they all seven years old and therefore they're really not relevant anymore? So you, you've got to dig down an extra layer. I guess that's probably my point here is that most people will look at the superficial layer when they're starting to travel, but dig down one more layer and and don't make decisions hasty decisions figure out what you want to do sleep on it overnight um go back and look at it again if you see something that looks really amazingly good to you just remember that in the world of travel if it appears too good to be true from a price value proposition it probably is so there's probably something connected to it you've suckered yourself into a timeshare presentation or something that you didn't know because you weren't really paying attention to things and so, and if you're one of those folks who does a lot of things on impulse and you travel with another person, let that person have play some role in the decision-making process. And I think you'll come out a lot better. We were talking about booking first person versus uh, through a, a vendor or whatever. Right. I think a lot of folks think that these, these vendors, whether it's Google or whatever, uh, have struck a deal with the airlines or the hotels and they've... They've amassed a bunch of rooms and so forth, and they got them at a super price, and they're going to pass that savings on to you and take a little tiny profit. Uh, how much of that is true? It's mostly BS. Um, the the when it, they tell you there's two tickets left at this price or whatever, mm -hmm. or um, hotels are 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 really becoming well known now for hiding things, things like parking charges and, and uh, resort fees are, are a little bit more out there, but sometimes the resort fee doesn't include the things that you logically would expect it to include. So if it doesn't include the internet and the parking and you're not a member of Marriott Rewards, which you should be because just getting the free internet would make it worth being a, a member, but still you may pay a resort fee and have to pay parking charges and things like that. Now you're out 40 or 50 bucks. There was a hotel two blocks down the street that didn't have those kinds of charges and was a similar type of hotel. So why are you not there? Well, because you got, you know, suckered or you got had kind of. And that's why I just suggest going and anytime you see a great deal, you see a great deal on a Delta ticket. Now go to the Delta website, duplicate that ticket and see what it costs there. Because if it doesn't line up for the same price, then, and then you may have stumbled onto something that is not going to offer you good value. Doing your homework. There you go. That's pretty important. There you go. You know what? Now, I, I find that even if I uh, don't pull the trigger myself on on making some purchases uh, online and uh -huh. so forth, uh, I find it fun. 
and it kind of gives me a feel for where I'm going to go and where I'm going to holiday and so forth. Uh, so, so it's enjoyable all at the same time. Well, coming up, I guess we're going to talk a little bit more about doing your homework with Chris Galloway. Chris is going to tell us why it's important to choose the right trip and why choosing the wrong trip can sometimes impact not only you, but people who are traveling with you. That's next here on The Travel Guys, right after we break for the news. You know, I always enjoy when I go to my my uh, Google Google map on my phone and it uh, has how far it'll take me to drive to some place. I'm always compelled to click on the one where it shows the guy walking and go, my gosh, four hours and 40 minutes. Boy, am I glad I have a car. We are the Travel Guys, Mark and Tom. <laughs> I know I do strange things, but I bet you I bet you people listening really busy. honestly, folks. He's really a nice guy, and <laughs> he's a great radio partner. And once in a while, he just goes off down the street, and we just have to send somebody after him and bring him back. <laughs> I'm back. We are the Travel Guys, Mark and Tom, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Mark. So we were talking before the break about the importance of doing homework. We're kind of having an educational session here on the Travel Guys today about the importance of doing homework and not just going one, not just using one source, but using a couple sources, um, you know, letting something sit overnight, uh, looking at something that if it looks like it's too good to be true, doing a little bit more research, because in the travel world, that often means that there's some kind of a hook attached. But, you know, equally important to doing your research on uh, how to pick the right trip for financial and value reasons are how to pick the right trip for more physical reasons what can you do and more importantly um how can you be a good traveler a good traveling partner to the people around you and not even to the people who are traveling physically with you but to other people who might have chosen the same conveyance in other words you're on an airplane and uh now there's 160 other people who have to share that airplane with you so if you have a particular situation that causes uh a delay or something like mm-hmm. that, you've impacted a lot more people. So anyways, I thought it would be best to get somebody to talk to about this who deals with situations like this, who deals with travelers on a regular basis. So Chris Galloway is a tour director at Sports Leisure Vacations, and I thought he would be a good guy to do this with. And Chris is actually on the road. He's up in the San Juan Islands. Chris, welcome to the Travel Guys. Thank you, guys. Hello from Anacortes, Washington. Anacor- For those who, who don't know, where is Anacortes? It is about as far in the Pacific Northwest as you can be and still be in the United States. Ah, okay. Can you see Russia from there or just Vancouver? <laughs> just Vancouver. Yeah. But he's still in the same time zone, so that's, you know. Yeah, well, Anacortes is a great jumping off spot for, aren't you? You're, you're headed or have just come from the San Juan Islands. Is that not right? Uh, tomorrow morning, we're going to catch the ferry and take a nice little hour-long ferry ride out through the islands to Friday Harbor. And spend the day touring the island, do a little flight seeing out of Roach Harbor, have a, a lunch there tomorrow, eat some lavender ice cream. I know you'll be jealous about that. Oh, yeah. that's The, the flight seeing part is uh, something that I really enjoy doing. Uh, and the, 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 the lodge there at Roach Harbor is a really cool place. Chris, um, before we get too off down the road on where you are and what a beautiful place it is and stuff like that, we're kind of talking education with folks today. And we mm-hmm. talked a little bit about how to choose the right trip from a standpoint of doing your homework and making sure that that what you're getting is what you want and what the restrictions might be. I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about the importance of choosing the right trip for you from a physical standpoint. 
um, not only from thinking of yourself, but the people you travel with. And the example I gave before we put you on the air here of, you know, one person doing something that causes a an issue with an airline can impact 160 people, many of whom might have connections when they get wherever it is they're going. So in your experience, um, share with us some of what's most important when someone is selecting a way to travel. And, and we're talking about individual travel, group travel, whatever. I think what's most important is to be realistic. You know, you know yourself better than anybody else knows you. You know what what you like, um, what your personality is like. Um, you know your physical limitations. So when choosing something, I know, you know, you're looking at the brochures and it all looks wonderful, you know, hiking Machu Picchu and that sort of thing. But, you know, let's face it, if your knees are bad and your hips are bad, that's probably not the package for you. So just be realistic. Know what you can and cannot do. You know, Chris, uh, it's interesting that you should uh, bring up Matsu Picchu. What's the elevation? Oh, what is it, about 10,000 feet? Yeah, 10, 11, 11, over 11. As as I've moved forward in life and had uh, a really bad case of pneumonia two and a half years ago, you know, I find I have to pay attention to altitude. And I would imagine a lot of travelers that whether they've had any kind of a, a lung disease or 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 whatever, uh, can find that uh, certain altitudes and certain places that, uh, you know, you may not want to go. Or if you're going to go, you better be prepared. These are all absolutely things that you have to take into consideration when selecting a destination. Chris, have you? Uh, can you think of an example? Uh, I mean, like uh, I saw a situation today in the airport in Chicago of uh, the flight before mine was was getting ready to board, and a lady she couldn't find one of her kids, and <laughs> I mean literally she couldn't find one of her children. So um, the kids had been running all over the place and stuff, and they they eventually found the kid, but then they couldn't find the father, and so. Uh, these folks not having their act together, uh, you could just see people standing in line waiting to board there, and they're looking at their watches and stuff and thinking, you know, am I going to get where it is that I need to go, where I'm supposed to get there, uh, because these people don't have their act together or something like that. It is, uh, we talked a little bit about the importance of considering the people not only who are traveling with you, but the tre- people who are traveling with you but who are not in your party. Well, what about the people that get on the airplane with the... Uh Uh, carry-on bag that's so heavy they can't lift it themselves so they have in essence just decided by themselves that someone is going to help them will be there to help them but that's not always the case there's not always someone who's willing or there's not always someone available so things like that do do kind of irk me just a little bit i guess i guess you would say well, p- folks depend on the kindness of strangers. Now, that's th- that's not always a bad thing. But in the situation that you're talking about, getting into something, why would you not just check that bag? Um, if exactly. you knew that you couldn't get it up into the overhead and get it down out of the overhead, why wouldn't you not swallow your pride and get a wheelchair assistant rather than trying to hobble through the airport on your own and, and, and ruin your 10-day vacation because you were trying to make a connection before your vacation ever started? $50. Fifty dollars? Yeah, they didn't want to. They didn't want to spend the fifty dollars to put it on under the plane. Uh, that's probably you're. You're probably right about that, Chris. Is there some other tips that you might have there that you want to share with our listeners? Again, it, just know your physical limitations. If you are looking at a tour package, 
that requires quite a bit of walking and you know your stamina is not there that sort of thing just just know that that's probably not what's best for you um but you know listen i I don't want to deter people from getting out there and trying things because the truth of the matter is it's really about attitude if you've got a positive attitude if you're out there and you're making an effort and you're not holding up the group and that sort of thing then you know I don't have a problem with it. I, no- I notice other travelers don't seem to have a problem with it. But the point being is if you do walk a little bit slower, then make sure you get a little bit of a head start to get back to the bus on time. Don't be that person holding up the group. There you go. Chris, uh, we just we mentioned earlier that, uh, that you're a tour director with Sports Leisure uh, Vacations, and uh, you have a group up in Washington. And I know just enough about uh, the company to know that you guys, uh, the, the trips that you put together, the uh, escorted trips like the one that you're on, you have different levels uh, that uh, you, you grade them so that you can determine before you even take that trip whether it might or might not fit your capabilities. Explain. Well, uh, let's see. I believe we started this last year. We came up with what we call the activity meter. Uh, There are, I believe, five different designations. And in the front of our catalog, it's where you're going to see that, um, it explains what's expected at each one of those designations. Um, So, again, it breaks it down to real-world information, the reality of the situation. But I find this to be very, very helpful. I personally, as a tour planner, find it to be very helpful because I can, I can gauge how strenuous the tour is, and then I can, I can adjust things and, and, and get that tour exactly to where I want it to be. Um, and I think that is something that, that our clients and our travelers really do need to pay attention to. It's there to help you use it. Tom and Chris, many companies who who sell travel packages mm-hmm. have these scales that will tell you if you're getting in over your head or, uh, or, or maybe buying something that's a little bit too simplistic. That you, If you want to go hiking and you want to do something, then you want to make sure that you're buying the right package on the upside as opposed to the downside. You wanna, don't want to find yourself as an avid, avid active traveler with a bunch of geriatric people who are doing the activities that meet their physical limitations when you wish that you were doing something else. So uh, that's what we- exactly what I'm talking about as a tour planner. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I'm putting a trip together, I look and I kind of say, okay, what type traveler is this going to attract? And then I can, I can pick different activities that coincide with that activity level. So again, just as you said, Mark, you don't find yourself on a sedate tour when you're an active traveler. What if, uh, to the both of you, because you're professionals here, uh, somebody's going to book their own uh, trip? They're gonna, they want to go to uh, a particular location, whether it's a Moab or, or Utah or whatever, uh, and they're going to do it on, the, on their own. Uh, how would they find out information? Where would they look to know whether this is a trip that might fit their physical abilities. Well, boy, the Internet is a, is a huge resource, and you'd be surprised what questions you can type into the Internet and be able to get an answer. So um, you could probably type in physical limitations, uh, Arches National Park, which is at, at Moab, yep. and you probably would get a whole list of things. Some would be pertinent and some not. Chris, you any thoughts on that? Um, when I am personally planning my own vacations, I do rely quite a bit on TripAdvisor. Um, I find the information to be helpful. Do not take everything to heart. 
read through the reviews, that sort of thing, look for buzzwords, uh, look for certain things, and then and then use that to start your search and follow that down the rabbit hole. And that's how I find very, very useful travel information. Chris Galloway with some tips on how to pick the right trip. We've talked about how to pick the right trip from a dollar standpoint, and now we've talked about how to pick the right trip from a physical standpoint. So uh, to our listeners, hopefully we've given you a few tools that will help make you a little smarter traveler the next time you're getting ready to head out on a trip. Chris, have a great day in the San Juan Islands uh, tomorrow, and we'll see you back in time for Tour Preview Day next weekend. I'll see you Wednesday. All right, talking about we are the Travel Guys, by the way, Mark and Tom, and uh, talking about uh, physical trips we're going to be talking with Jim Jacoby when we come back after about a two-and-a-half-minute timeout. He just returned from uh, his 20th trip to Burning Man. Talk and, about physical trips. Uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk <laughs> about the, you know, the physical limitations and things that, that go on at Burning Man. And we're going to see how uh, Jim fared and how it went when we come back after this here on The Travel Guys. Gliding right along here on a fabulous Sunday afternoon. Travel Guys every Sunday, 3 to 4. You can find our podcasts at TravelGuysRadio.com. And if you want, you can sign up and we'll send you an email and let you know when it's available to go and uh, and take a look at. We talk about, uh, from time, we, we complain and moan and whine about things that the airlines and stuff, travel entities do to us travelers out here. But mm-hmm. I have a story. You're speaking of the website, uh, TravelGuysRadio.com. Um, Southwest does, Southwest Airlines sometimes does amazing things. And, uh, if you go to travel, you besides guys, not charging me for my bags, <laughs> besides even, not charging you for your better bags, than that. uh, there is a wonderful video there about, uh, a little girl named Tracy that Southwest, um, she's autistic and they let her be a flight attendant for a day. And I promise you that if you go there and you look at it, um, your day, you will, you will smile. Your day will be brighter. It might even bring a tear to your eye. It's the, the first one on the list there uh, underneath the pictures at TravelGuysRadio.com. Okay, um, we have on the, on the line with us here Jim Jacoby. Jim checked in with us before he took off to Burning Man in the desert, um, his 20th trip to Burning Man, and now he has returned, taken a shower, I hope, and uh, is with us back on the phone to tell us a, a little bit about what went on at Burning Man? Welcome back to the Travel Guys, Jim. Oh, thank you, Mark. Thank you, Tom. Glad to be back and uh, wash off the dust and uh, inner civilization feet uh, first. Okay, so we we had a, a news story while you were out there that they got they reached capacity at Burning Man one day. Did you know anything about that going on? Well, if you meant the no, I haven't heard that, but I know that the uh, Bureau of Land Management, the BLM limits the number of people that can be on the playa to 70,000 plus the infrastructure ship. So if they hit that number, they would have closed the doors. Yeah. Uh, by law, they can't have any more than that. No, actually, for about 24 hours, if somebody had to leave before somebody else could uh, could come in. So anyways, you were out at Burning Man with 70,000 other uh, citizens, um, many of whom probably don't have arrest records. Um so, Jim, tell us. <laughs> Mark, please. Well, be, be nice. Um, people that just people like me go to Burning Man, and I, 
I don't have my my record was sp- uh, what's what's the word sponged? What did <laughs> I'm okay now. People like Jim go to Burning Man, and Jim's gone twenty times, and I know Jim, so this is why I'm asking Jim these questions. Is Jim, because I know he'll give me the answer. Do people have to? They, what does it cost to go to Burning Man? It costs about five hundred dollars, and some people will roll their eyes. My God, you pay five hundred dollars to go to a party? The way I look at it is, I actually I pay one dollar for five hundred parties. And that makes it all seem very much worth it. If you look at it, just the bottom line. Now, to go cheap is expensive um, because that's just the cost of a ticket and your vehicle pass. If you include, you know, the cost to get out there, because let's face it, it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, lodging, whether it's a tent, RV, trailer, what have you, um, it, it's, a, it, it's an expensive proposition. And uh, the, certainly the cost is one of the things that keep a number of people from going because they could look for the exact same price and spend a week in Hawaii. <laughs> so fi- so $500 not counting the other prices for, what did you say, 75,000 people? Well, and you've got yeah, well, 70,000, yeah. 70,000 be about $35 million. About 30, $35 million. Uh, Tom has quickly done, done, done the math here. Uh, Jim, most of that 500, it, 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 it costs, you have to buy a ticket, right, to get into Burning Man. You don't just go out in the desert and show up. No, time was as recently as like 2011. You could, um, but no, you have to get a ticket. They sell out in like 47 minutes, usually the first weekend in February. And um, they, if they catch you scalping your tickets, put them on the secondary market, they will cancel it, and um, no one goes. It's, yeah, uh, you buy them online. about it. it, it um, yeah, you buy them online. So, Jim, tell us a little bit about some of the activities that were memorable this year at, at, at Burning Man, something something that, that caught your fancy or caught your eye. Well, the founder, Larry Harvey, who founded it back in what, 1986, I believe it was, um, he passed away during the year. I guess smoking three packs of unfiltered today, they will catch up with you. <laughs> and I went to the uh, temple where they um, – the Temple of Remembrance. It's where uh, people who passed uh, will um, – leave momentums to the, of their loved ones and it gets incinerated on Sunday night, the day after the man burns. But I usually don't go to the temple. It's kind of not my thing, but uh, it was on an art car that, that made better to stop. And it's for a place that is so much fun. Um, there were a lot of people crying in the temple. And uh, after a while, it's um, depressing is the wrong, wrong word. Melancholy is probably closer to the truth. Um, because you see all these wonderful tributes to people's parents or pets or siblings that have uh, passed from cancer or old age or accidents or what have you. And it really brings home the reality of that we're only, as Cat Stevens once said, you know, dancing on this earth for a short while. And um, these people do make the most of it. I think the trip to the temple this year. Uh, watching the Larry Harvey Memorial, I think that touched me more than anything else. Jim, I, 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 it strikes me that I, I, the word that, that I get from listening to you and other people, and now you tell me that there's a place where people go and, and remember people they've lost, it seems like a very human place. Um, it is. Um, there are certainly different stripes of humans out there. Um, <laughs> well, tell, tell us all about some of those folks. Well, I mean, you've got, um, if you think you're the weirdest person in class, um, you've never been a Burning Man. These are people out there that are just weirder than anything you can imagine. Um, but the costumes, people are very imaginative putting the costumes together. And 
I would suggest someone go to the BurningMan.com website and look them up rather than try to explain them because my explanation would do them no justice whatsoever. Um, and it's uh, the imaginations of people is striking. And the fact that this year the weather was pretty good in the sense that it wasn't too cold, it didn't rain, it was warm well into the evenings, that uh, people had a chance to run out and trip the white fantastic at all hours in their desert finest. Down in Midley, when it's all said and done, we're kind of an offshade of beige, uh, because that is the color of the Black Rock Desert. But it's um, an environment that lends itself to creativity. Jim, uh, let me jump in here. Uh, I know there's going to be a lot of drinking and carrying on at uh, something like this, uh, besides water. Uh, it, do, is there ever any? Is there ever any violence? Is there people that haven't gone? Do they? Is there any reason to be concerned or fear for your safety in any way? Well, it's a it's a major city. Um, I mean, it's temporary. But this year, only one death. Well, that was on Thursday, the fourth, after the event was over, um, occurred. And out of a city of seventy thousand, only one death, and a total of forty four arrests. It's Burning Man, really one of the safest places imaginable. We say safety third, but in reality, it's controls chaos. And I think. Um, the biggest risk is to yourself, sense of injury because tripping over a tie wire, um, falling off a structure, something like that, is probably much more prevalent than assaults. Um, people worry about sexual assault, and, and for good reason. Jim, um, and, Jim, yes. we've we got about thirty seconds here. Any final thoughts about Burning Man that you'd like to share? Uh, I would say go before the outlaw. But to give it people an idea how big it is, it's over seven square miles. So imagine putting Disneyland and the California Adventure all rolled into one and a thousand bars, bring a bicycle, and you got Burning Man. Last question. Were you there for the burning of the effigy, the man? Did you see it? You bet I did. How was it this year? Um, pretty good. The, uh, it, it was a small burn by relative historical standards. We had fireworks going all the way through it. And I love fireworks. Jim, thanks thanks for, for joining us uh, and sharing a little bit about Burning Man. Sorry to cut you short, but we are just about out of time. We have made people smarter travelers. We have taken them to Burning Man. A typical day on the Travel Guys, wouldn't you say? Remember to dance like nobody's watching. Again, visit TravelGuysRadio.com. My friends, stay well, and we'll see you next time.